Chapter 24 I knew the hunter robot only had one weak spot, its visual aiming system. I flapped hard, struggling to get some altitude. I moved into position above the hunter robot. I only had one chance. I waited for it. The big metal ball rotated until its camera lens was pointed up at me. In one second, it would fire. Blat! A gray-white blob fell. My life, Aftran's life, the life of all my friends, the future of the human race, hung on that falling blob. It hit the lens. The robot spun to the right, then to the left, then to the right again. A bird poop bullseye. I beat wings up to the metal door. There was no handle on my side, only smooth, shiny metal. I scanned the wall around the door. There had to be some kind of trigger mechanism, didn't there? Maybe it's only an entrance, I thought. Maybe it's like the changing room at the Gap. People enter the yerk pool there, but they go out through the movie theater. I swooped a little closer. Oh no, the Gleet biofilter! I'd forgotten all about it. How could I have been so stupid? Unauthorized life form detected. A mechanical voice announced. Unauthorized life form detected. In seconds, I would be destroyed. The biofilter eliminated all life forms whose DNA had not been entered into the computer. Ospreys were definitely not on the Yerk's invite list. Could I morph to Yerk in time? Would my human morph be better? I heard the sound of feet pounding up the stairs toward me. Really big feet. hork warriors. Shut your eyes tightly to protect against retinal damage from the Gleet biofilter. The mechanical voice instructed. I was doomed. The metal door slid down the middle. A woman started through. She spotted me. Undelight, she cried. She swiped at me with her purse. I banged hard, ignoring the pain tearing through my damaged wing. A purse wasn't enough to stop me. Not nearly enough. I flew into the cold air of the walk-in freezer. The outside door was swinging shut. Could I make it? The room exploded in dazzling white light. Clang! I bounced off one of the metal shelves. Crash! Something that sounded like falling glass. I didn't stop. I flew straight ahead. Made it! Thump! The freezer door shut behind me. I lost a couple of tail feathers, but I kept flying. Dad, look! A bird! I heard a little girl yell. What's that thing it's carrying? Someone else cried. A little of my vision was coming back. Enough that I could just make out the front door. Of course, it was shut. You don't realize how much you need your hands until you don't have them. But you know what's cool? Humans. Nine out of ten humans are pretty decent creatures. One of those nice humans, concerned for a bird obviously panicked by being trapped, opened the door. I blew through. I flew, flew, flew into free, wide-open skies. As Marco would say if he were here, 
That was interesting. Let's never, ever do it again. I was relieved, but I didn't have time to celebrate. I had to get home. Axe needed me. I flew like mad for home. My body was trembling with exhaustion when I finally sailed into the hayloft window. I landed on a bale of hay and released Aftran. I'll get you in some water in a minute, I promised her. My little bird heart was pounding like crazy. I wanted to fluff up my feathers and stick my head under my wing. Instead, I concentrated on my own DNA. The feathers covering my body flattened until they were two-dimensional tattoos. My hollow bones grew and solidified. I heard a sloshing sound as my internal organs shifted and changed. My bird eyes grew, and my vision became completely clear again. I watched the last few changes. Then, I shoved myself up with a grunt. I scooped up Aftran and headed to Axe's stall. I couldn't stop myself from gasping when I opened the door and stepped through the hologram. Axe was lying on his side. He never does that. And I could hear him breathing in short, ragged pants. He's in crisis, Eric told me. Chapter 25 I knelt next to Axe. I'm back, I told him. I'm right here with you. He didn't answer. He's unconscious, Eric told me. Has been for a little more than half an hour. Poor baby. I ran my fingers over his soft blue and tan fur. His sides heaved with every breath he took. I don't think you have much time, Eric said gently. You're right. I stood up and slid Aftran into the water trough. You'll be safe there, I told her. I knew she couldn't understand me. I knew she had to be terrified. But I had to leave her. I turned to Eric. I'm worried about hurting him when we move him. Maybe we could... Eric bent down and scooped Axe up in his arms. I'd forgotten for a minute how amazingly strong the Chi are. I leaned over the stall door and checked to make sure the barn was still empty. Then, I opened the door and led the way to the operating room. I pointed to the metal table and Eric placed Axe on top. Can you do another hologram to make the room look empty? I asked. Just in case. You got it, Eric answered. I couldn't believe I was doing this. I couldn't believe I was actually going to perform brain surgery. On an alien. I suddenly had this powerful urge to walk away. To go find a TV, plant myself in front of it with a pint of Ben and Jerry's, crank the volume, and forget everything. Probably nothing on, anyway, I muttered. What? Nothing. Just take it one step at a time, I coached myself. But what should the first step be? I closed my eyes and tried to picture what my dad did before an operation and what I'd seen in the books I'd gotten from my mom. Got it. Step one. Get things clean. Duh. Numbly, I walked over to the sink and washed my hands with antibacterial soap. I dried them, then pulled on a pair of latex gloves. I took a bottle of rubbing alcohol off the shelf and grabbed a jar of cotton balls. I soaked one of the balls. This will feel a little cold, I told Axe before I started swabbing his head. I knew he couldn't hear me, but it made me feel a little better to talk to him. I tossed the used cotton ball into the garbage 
and carefully returned the alcohol and the rest of the cotton balls to their proper places. I was stalling, and that could be deadly to Axe. I didn't know how much time he had left. I jerked open the long drawer in the middle of my dad's cabinet and pulled out a scalpel. I took it over to Axe. My heart was thudding so loud, I could feel it all over my body. In my ears. Even in my fingertips. I positioned the scalpel over Axe's head. Then, I froze. How could I just make a cut? Where was the tree gland? Maybe I could feel it through Axe's scalp. Maybe there would be swelling, or a spot that felt hotter or colder. I used my free hand to examine Axe's head. I started with his forehead. Nothing. I moved up to the space between his eye stalks. Nothing. I checked the area around each of his ears. Nothing. I ran my fingers over every inch of the back of his skull. Twice. Nothing. Nothing! This is hopeless! It's impossible! I cried. He's going to die with me standing right next to him! You've already done one hopeless, impossible thing tonight, Eric reminded me. Rescuing Aftran from Visser 3 had felt pretty impossible. Pretty hopeless. Now Aftran was safe and sound. Wait. Wait. My mind seemed to slow down and speed up at the same time. Aftran! Be right back, I told Eric. I dashed out of the operating room and over to Axe's stall. I scooped Aftran out of the trough and raced back. I skated to a stop at the edge of the operating room table. I brought Aftran up to one of Axe's ears. Her yerk instinct should tell her to go inside. Yes! Aftran slithered across my palm and into the opening of Axe's ear canal. I watched as her slick gray body disappeared inside. Maybe she'll be able to tell us where the tria gland is, I told Eric. I gripped the metal table with both hands. You're brilliant, Eric said. Unless... Yeah, let's wait and see if it works first, I answered. I stared down at Axe, waiting. Aftrin should be pushing herself into Axe's brain right now, I thought. Once she's in control, she'll be able to talk. Wouldn't she? This had to work. It had to. If it didn't... Don't, I ordered myself. Aftrin will come through. But why wasn't she saying anything? Why was this taking so long? Was she having trouble with the Andalite brain? Was Axe's illness making it impossible for her to connect? Cassie? Aftrin said, an Andalite thought speak. I'm here. We got away from Visser 3. You're inside my friend Axe, I explained, talking as fast as I could. There's a gland in his head that's going to explode any second. If it does, he dies. I have to take it out, but I don't know where it is. Can you feel it? Can you tell me where to cut? The Tria gland. Yes, I have accessed his memories. She answered. It is... It is unusual to attempt this. I have few nerve endings. No way to feel what... Wait! What? Eric demanded. Wait, what? Got it, but Cassie, it feels very warm. I grabbed a scalpel with trembling fingers. Just tell me where to cut. Chapter 26 The tria gland is in the back of the head, 
Aftran explained. It's even with the bottom of his ears, dead center. I turned X's head so I could easily reach that spot. Okay, I'm going to make the first incision, I told her. Stay out of the way. The gland is about as big as a human thumb. Well, Karen's thumb, at least. Thanks. I picked up the scalpel and positioned it to one side of the spot Eftran had described. Then I made a straight cut about four inches long. I could feel the metal blade scraping the bone of Axe's skull. But that was good. That's how deep I needed to go. I needed to peel back a flap of skin so I could work on the bone. A line of blue-black blood appeared. My stomach did a flip-flop. I swallowed hard and made a cut that was perpendicular to the first. Again, about four inches long. Hemostat, I snapped. The instrument was in my hand a split second later. Another. Okay. Retractor. No, it's that other thing. I pulled back a flap of skin. Tape, I said. How much do you want? Eric asked. Three inches. He passed the piece of cloth tape to me. I used it to hold the flap of skin away from the bone. His hearts are starting to beat faster, and the gland is still throbbing. It swelled a little, too, Avchen announced. Can you control his heartbeats at all? I asked. Try to slow them down? I'll try, she said. Gauze pads, Eric. I held out my hand, and Eric slapped them in my hand. I used them to mop up some of the blood oozing out of the incision. Now the hole saw. It's in the sterilizer. Here. You need to hurry, Cassie, Aftran said. It doesn't look good in here. Aftran sounded nervous. What would happen to her if Axe's tree gland burst while she was still inside his head? Okay, I'm going to need you to blot some of the blood away as I go, I told Eric. You got it. Eric handed me the hole saw. I positioned the circle of the saw teeth around where I hoped the tree gland was. I turned the saw's handle a few times. I pulled the saw back, and the circle of bone came with it. Now I was looking at Axe's brain. Sweat popped out all over my forehead and started to run down my cheeks and nose. Eric dabbed it away with another gauze pad before it could start dripping into Axe's brain. I didn't have to ask Aftran for more help finding the tria gland. It was easy to spot. Deep purple. Bulging. Retractor, I told Eric. Scalpel. My fingers shook when he handed them to me. The gland looked ready to blow. I was afraid if I touched it, it would start spewing. Hold this. My left eye. Sweat. He swabbed my eye with a cotton ball. Okay. Let's do it, I whispered. I slid the scalpel blade beneath the gland with trembling care. I cut. The tria gland was out. I tossed it into a metal pan. Okay. I wrapped my arms around myself. My whole body was shaking. Don't lose it now, I thought. As quickly as I could, I replaced the circle of bone. It would fuse back in place in time. I untaped the flap of skin and smoothed it down. Now we sew. His heart rates are slowing down. His blood pressure is going down too, Aftran reported. That was one of the coolest things I've ever seen, Eric said with a laugh. 
and I've seen a lot. Cassie, he's coming too, Aftran announced, and he's starting to scream. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Uh, I think we have, and this is the penultimate the penultimate uh, episode. I think next time is the finale. Wrapping up here, we got the we got the tria gland out. I think we're in the clear now. Um, yeah, uh, I said last time I was in charge. She's gonna get out of it, and the answer was she was gonna poop on the singular hunter robot that the Yurkpool has. Wasn't Tobias being chased by like three of those suckers last time? Th- this one's a little iffy, but um, in all cases where that's the case, the Elemis did it. So. Hmm. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, I, I don't have any messages this week, but if you'd like to send one in, uh, you can do that through... Hang on, I don't have any message on Tumblr, do I? I forgot to check Tumblr. Hang on. Uh, but if you have any message, messages you'd like to send in, you can send those in to uh, the Tumblr, that's audiomorphscast.tumblr.com, the Gmail, that's audiomorphscast at gmail.com. Uh, through my website, that's theapocalypse.com. Apocalypse, like apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. Uh, you can also tweet at me, uh, like Kyle did. Kyle tweeted at me, uh, at Audiomorphs, and <laughs> informed me that I have been saying puny wrong my entire life. Uh, yeah, that's, he, he's right. That's not, punny is not the pronunciation, and I did not know that, and no one has ever corrected me. <laughs> so... Uh, we're all growing and learning here. Thank you for listening. Uh, that's all I got. Uh, I'll see you all next week. My name is Daniel. I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs>